ever feel like a failure? I'm telling you, that's the story of my life. It's not so much that I try to do wrong, I just always seem to fall in that direction. Somebody once told me that life is a series of choices. And I always tend to take the easy choice. The choice that looks like it'll end up best for me. The choice that may hurt others or do them wrong, but the one that'll work out the best for yours truly, only it never really does. I wonder if God doesn't like me. I wonder if he's mad because of all the bad choices I've made. Nobody's perfect. And I try really hard. I wonder if God gives points for trying hard. I've read what the Bible says about people like me, people who do all the wrong things for all the wrong reasons. Honestly, I don't like what the Bible says about people like me. Have I failed everybody? Myself, others, and God? Am I undeserving of God's blessings? Yes. But, well, I want to welcome those of you at all of our campuses today and those who are watching online. I'm here at our Sugarloaf campus. We're one church. We have three campuses. And I hope you'll attend the service if you're watching online or by TV that is closest to you. I want to give you a little interesting factoid about myself. I don't think I've ever shared this before, um, but I actually taught myself to read. And true story, when, um, before I even started to school, I was four years old. And um, we were, believe it or not, uh, we were moving to Florida. My, I have a brother. He's on the front row here. He's deaf. And uh, back in the day, there wasn't a lot for him in this state, but they had a really great school for the deaf down in Tampa, Florida. And so my mom and dad lovingly and sacrificially sold everything that we had, and I mean literally, and packed up what we had, and we moved down to Florida. Well, on the way down to Florida, believe it or not, I began to read billboards by the side of the road. Somehow, my mind, God so gifted me that I began putting letters together. I can remember it like it happened yesterday. I was in the back seat, and I'd start reading, and my mom would turn around, and she'd, she would say, what are you doing? I said, I'm reading these signs that are on the way, and she couldn't believe it. And I just had this ability to put you know, the, these letters together. So by the time I got to the first grade, I already knew that Tom saw the cat, and I already knew the cat chased the dog. I already knew all of that. And, 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 and it was amazing because it all was because of billboards. Because even at an early age, billboards got my attention, which is what billboards are supposed to do. Well, there are certain billboards that really do capture your attention. As a matter of fact, I thought I would share with you a few of what have been described as the most innovative billboard ads from around the world. Some of these are pretty cool, and I thought I'd show them to, show them to you. I mean, they're, they're really, I think, really innovative and creative. Here's one. This is an Allstate commercial. Now, whoever parked that car in that garage that way, that car was not in good hands, okay? They needed Allstate to be there, okay? Here's another one. I love this one, right? You know, there's some billboards you can drive by, and you may not pay attention to them, or you may miss one occasionally. you got to drive right through that billboard. You cannot miss that billboard, right? I mean, it, it, it has you by the throat, okay? Here's another one. Now, there are headaches, and then there are headaches. And this is a great picture of how Tylenol can literally take your headache away. Now, you talk about creative. I love this one. This is a nose hair trimmer ad, all right? And what they did, they purposely displayed it directly behind power lines. 
So, Shoal, this guy doesn't need a hair, uh, nose hair trimmer. He actually needs a bush hog, okay? But they try to, try, to really, try to really emphasize that. And then I really like this one. This is an ad for a magazine called The Economist. And, and what it's showing is that when you walk from this billboard, when you walk under the billboard, the light comes on. And what they're really saying to you is, if you'll read our magazine, this will help the light of your mind come on, and it'll help you think things through better. Billboards have always fascinated me, even to this day, even though I, from the time I was a child. I really enjoy seeing creative, innovative billboards. They get my attention. Well, when you read the Bible, there are verses, and then there are verses. There are verses that are like billboards. They, they get your attention. You, they, they, they draw you into them. You, you, you can't get them out of your mind. They, they're, they're like spider's webs. You just read it and you kind of get stuck on it. And you can't move off of that verse until you really get it. As a matter of fact, there are some verses that if you take the Bible seriously, they'll make you stop what you're doing. They'll make you give them your undivided attention. And you just have to really think through does that verse really say what it says, and does it really mean what it means? And the verse we're going to look at today is one of those verses. If you brought a copy of God's Word or a smartphone or an iPad, whatever it is you might use, I want you to turn in your Bible or in your, in your apparatus there to a book called Romans. Now, you don't have to know much about the Bible. We're going to help you with this, okay? There are two Testaments, Old and New. It's not in the Old, it's in the New. So go to the second half of the Bible. You start at Matthew. There's four Gospels. You go about six books over. You'll find the book of Romans. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 6. Now, for those of us who grew up in church or you've been in church quite a while, if you've read your Bible a good bit, I'll tell you right up, this is one of the most familiar verses in all of the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's a very short verse, and if you've never ever you know, uh, memorized Scripture, as I've been doing for a long time, and you'd like to start, this would be a great, great verse to start with. It's a very short verse. It's only 20 words in the English language. If you go to the Greek language, it's 19, and it's such a simple verse. Listen to this. Of the 20 words in this verse, only three have more than one syllable. And they're not even difficult words. Those three words are wages, eternal, and Jesus. Every other word is a one-syllable word. Now, I know you're sitting there going, well, what in the world makes this verse a billboard verse to you? What, what in the world would make this verse make anybody, I think, want to stop and really think this through? Why do you think this is one of the most powerful statements in the Bible? I'll tell you why. It's because of a one three-letter word. That comes about one-third of the way through this verse. As a matter of fact, it's the basis of the series that we're in that we're calling Yes, But. And if you're just now joining us, here's what we've been saying. That little three-letter word, but, if it's uttered at the right place, at the right time, in the right situation, to the right person, can literally be a life-changing word. So today, we're going to deal with something that affects all of us in this room, all of us who are watching at our other campuses, all of us who are watching online, because if it were not for that one three-letter word, every one of us would be entirely helpless. Every one of us would be completely hopeless when it comes to having a relationship with God, knowing God, being forgiven of all we've done wrong, and having peace and purpose in our life. Let me explain to you what I mean. I think, 
I don't think I'll get any disagreement with this. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, liberal, conservative, you're a believer, an unbeliever, you love God, you don't know God. It doesn't matter. I think we would all agree that if you do the crime, you should pay the time. I don't think, any, I've never met anybody that, that really doesn't agree with that. We, we all agree, yes, people ought to do wrong and they ought to be punished if they do wrong. That's why we have jails. That's why we have courts. That's why we have judges. That's why we have policemen. That's why we have laws, right? People who do wrong ought to be punished. Nobody really, you know, has a problem with that. Now, here's another one. An evil deed must be punished. Well, of course, the answer to that would be, yes, evil deeds ought to be punished because if evil deeds were never punished, what would you have? You'd have anarchy. If, if everybody in the world knew I could do anything I want to to anybody I want to at any time I want to and get away with it, we would all have to carry machine guns and body armor and live behind cages. We couldn't even have society. So we're sure, yes, I agree with that. Well, here's the last one. Bad people ought to get or should get what they deserve. Well, of course, that's what justice is. If you want to know what justice is, it's that. Bad people get what they deserve. We all agree with those statements. Yes, you do the time, you do the crime, you ought to pay the time. Yes, bad people ought to get what they deserve. Yes, evil deeds ought to be punished. So I would like to throw in that little word, but. Because everything we just said is exactly what the Bible says. It is exactly what God says in His Word. God Himself, if He were here in, in, on this platform physically, God Himself would say, I totally agree with all of those statements. As a matter of fact, those statements are built on the foundation of what I have said in my Word. Except the Bible puts all of it differently. Here's the way the Bible puts it. For the wages of sin is death. That's just the Bible way of saying you do the crime, you're going to pay the time. Evil deeds must be punished. Bad people should get what they deserve. The wages of sin is death. Now, you'd have to admit, pretty simple, pretty plain, pretty logical. You do the crime, you pay the time. Evil deeds will be punished. Bad people get what they deserve. Now, let me tell you how that applies to us and it's because it's something we never think about. I heard, was listening to Greg Laurie last night, and by the way, you need to be at the crusade tonight. It's been a fantastic crusade. Greg is the most gifted evangelist uh, that, that I know. I mean, he just has a, such a tremendous gift, and we've had a great time, and I hope you'll be there tonight. But Greg said something last night that I've heard many times before, but it's true, and he gave a statistic. He said one out of one people die. All right? That's true. We all know we're going to die. That is one statistic that is held true from the beginning of time right up to now. There's one thing we know about everybody on this planet. Everybody is going to die. You never know when you're going to die. Death can happen at any moment. I just, as I was walking in here, my, my phone buzzed, and I got a notification. Jose Fernandez, if you're a baseball fan, I'm a big baseball fan. Jose Fernandez, 24 years old, probably the top young pitcher in Major League Baseball, pitches for the, for the Miami, Marlins, uh, uh, Miami Marlins, was killed this morning in a boating accident, 24 years old. They've canceled the game against the Braves because he was killed. It is a tragic accident. I'm sure the last thing that 24-year-old pitcher had on his mind when, uh, uh, when he got into that boat last night was, was capsizing that boat on some rocks in the middle of the ocean and dying. I'm sure that's the last thing. But the point is, we all are going to die. In other words, let me put it to you this way. I bet you never thought about this before. We're all under the death penalty. You know, people say, well, I don't believe in the death penalty. Sorry, 
We're all under the death penalty because ultimately everybody is going to die. But let me tell you the problem with that. We would all agree that on a relative scale, there are some people who are better than other people. For example, nobody in their right mind would compare Hitler to Mother Teresa. Right? Nobody would do that. If I said to you, hey, would you rather spend a day with Hitler or Mother Teresa? Not a real hard choice, unless you're a Tennessee fan, right? Not a real hard choice, okay? All right, yeah, I'm going to get my shot in, so just sit there and take it. Now listen, you, you would not compare, you wouldn't compare Joseph Stalin to Billy Graham. Yes, well, absolutely not. Yet, bad dictators die and good preachers die. Cutthroat murderers die and beautiful Precious, sweet nuns die. Good people die. Bad people die. Murderers die. Ministers die. Well, that raises this question. If the wages of sin is death and everybody dies, what is the conclusion? There can only be one conclusion to that, right? If everybody dies and the wages of sin is death, the only conclusion we can draw is, is that sin brings the death penalty to all of us because we're all sinners and sin brings death. However, there are three words I want you to consider in the verse we're going to look at, Romans 6, 23. There are three words I want you to consider in this verse. They're really small, one syllable. There's the word for, there's that word but, and there's that word in. The word for, the word but, and the word in. The for is the yes statement. The but is the but statement. And when you put them together, it is one of the greatest yes but statements in all of the Bible. You will not believe how much truth there is in this one short little verse of Scripture but it applies to every one of us whether we realize it or think about it or not. Here's the three things that this verse tells us about you and me. Number one, we deserve death. We deserve death. Well, we just said that. Everybody dies. I had an interesting thought, by the way, the other day about the death penalty, okay? I realize the death penalty is very controversial and everybody's got their opinion and I'm not here to talk about that today. You may be for the death penalty. You may be against the death penalty. But there are two things that we know are true about the death penalty, at least in our country, right? Number one, the law states in our nation, the law states there are certain crimes deserving of death. At least in certain states still in our nation, there's laws that say if you do this crime and you're convicted of this crime, you could get the death penalty. All right? Here's the second thing we also know. Even if a criminal deserves the death penalty, and for whatever the reason they don't get the death penalty, they're still going to die. They're, they're not going to live. They're not going to escape death, escape death. Why? Because ultimately we are all under the death penalty. It doesn't matter whether you die in a gas chamber by a firing squad, by hanging, by execution, or you die of a heart attack or what they call natural causes. We're all under the death penalty. Now, in a way, as I just said, that just doesn't seem fair. Because just humanly speaking, we expect bad people to die. As a matter of fact, can, can I be honest? I'm not saying this is the way it ought to be. I'm just saying the way it is. We don't shed a tear when a terrorist gets killed. We don't. As a matter of fact, when, when a terrorist gets killed, you know what we honestly deep down think? Let's just be honest. We all think this way. He deserved it. She deserved it. 
Anybody would strap a bomb around their waist and walk into a, an orphanage or walk into a mall and just blow up innocent people, they absolutely deserve to die. Well, now, wait a minute. Okay, let's just say that they do. What about the rest of us? What about those of us who we try to live good lives and decent lives and moral lives and upstanding lives? We try to obey the law. We try to dot the I and cross the T's. We try to observe the speed limit. We, you know, we, we, we don't steal. We wouldn't hurt a flea. We wouldn't think about killing another human being. We wouldn't think about raping or murdering. But we die too. And sometimes we die horrible deaths of cancer and, 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 and have to suffer through elongated illnesses. Because here's the startling truth. We all deserve to die. You say, well, why? What have all the good people in this world done deserve to, to deserve to die? What's, what's our problem? Read the verse again. For the wages of, what's that word? Sin. The wages of sin is death. Now, let's take that verse a piece at a time. Somebody tell me. Let's see how much you're paying attention this morning, all right? See if you're awake. What is a wage? Somebody tell me. What's a wage? Yeah, it's what you work for, right? It's what you earn. It's a salary. A wage is a salary. It's what you earn. It's what you deserve. It's what you work for. We even have an old saying for this. Some of you remember this, right? A fair day's what? Wage for a fair day's what? Work, right? So, in other words, when you, if you work and you get a paycheck, you don't go to your employer and say, you know, I don't deserve this, but thank you for this gift. You don't say that, right? You, you expect it. You work for it. You earned it. The word for wages there, by the way, was used of the daily food ration that was paid to a Roman soldier for his service at the end of every day. It was simply his pay for doing his job. It was his pay for doing his work. So now we get to the root problem of why everybody dies. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you something you've never thought about before. We really don't understand the real cause of death. We really don't. I was reading a, a magazine article about three weeks ago, and it was about uh, how the third leading cause of death, you ready for this? The third most common cause of death in the United States after heart disease and cancer. I bet you couldn't guess what it is. You know what it is? Medical errors in hospitals. Doctors and, and, and nurses making mistakes. That's the third leading cause of death. People dying because of medical uh, uh, mistakes and incorrect diagnoses and medication mix-ups. In other words, doctors sometimes fail to identify the right disease. They fail to identify the right cause. Well, when you, when you don't identify the disease correctly and you don't identify the cause directly, what are you going to prescribe? The wrong medicine. And I read that and I thought to myself, how that relates to this verse. Because let me tell you what this verse tells us. Let me tell you what Romans 6.23 says. Romans 6.23 says, the number one primary true cause of everybody dying is not because of physical problems. It is because of a spiritual problem. It's called sin. The ultimate serial killer is sin. If you want to know what kills everybody, good people, bad people, ministers and murderers, perverts and priests. If you want to know what kills everybody, it's not cancer. It's not heart disease. It's not medical malpractice. Those are the symptoms. The ultimate cause, the number one cause, the real reason why everybody dies is because of sin, because we are all sinners. We already know that. Nobody's perfect. We've all done wrong. And sin is like a poison that kills 
all of us. Now, let me just stop right there. I know some people have a problem with that because I've heard this before. Think about this. I've heard people say, no, wait a minute. We're not all equally sinners. I mean, there are some really, really, really bad sinners, and then there are some really, really good sinners. Now, think about the logic of that. Now, there's some really, really good thieves, and there's some really, really bad thieves. I mean, there's some really, really good terrorists, and there's some really, really bad terrorists. I mean, I heard about a pastor that went to his doctor, and he was having a checkup, and he said, Doc, I want to ask you a question. He said, I'm working on a sermon, so I want to ask you a question. He said, what is the most powerful poison in the world? What's the most powerful poison that you know? And the doctor said, well, strychnine. That's probably the most powerful poison I know. And the pastor said, well, now how powerful is that poison? And the doctor said, well, pastor, I'll tell you what you were to do. He said, if you were to take the stopper off of the bottle of that poison, just the stopper, if you were to put it underneath your tongue where the blood vessels are closest to the, to the surface, if you were just to squeeze one drop of that underneath your tongue, he said, you would be dead before you could put the stopper back in the bottle. The pastor said, Wow. He said, well, let me ask you this question. What would happen if I drank the whole bottle? And the doctor said, well, you wouldn't be any more dead than if you put a drop under your tongue. Now, what's the point? Here's what the doctor was saying. It is not the amount of the poison that kills you. It is the fact of the poison that kills you. It is not the amount of sin that you have that, gives, that causes you to die. It is the fact of sin. We are all sinners and everybody dies. Sin is the ultimate serial killer because sin kills everybody. So let me give you a newsflash. Nobody dies really of truly natural causes. Everybody dies of a supernatural cause. It's called sin. And if you want to know how serious sin is to God, I'll tell you what you need to do. If you, if you still don't understand, how seriously does God take our sin? Go to a funeral home. Just look at a corpse in a casket. And that's God's way of saying, that's how serious sin is. Because, see, the problem's even bigger than what I've already told you. Sin not only kills us physically. You know what else sin does? Sin kills relationally. I see it all the time. Sin kills marriages. Sin kills friendships. Sin kills peace between nations. Sin kills your relationship with God. But the greatest way that sin kills is not physically or relationally. The greatest way that sin kills is spiritually. Because when Paul, when, when, when Paul wrote those words and he says the wages of sin is death. The death that Paul was primarily referring to was not physical death. He was talking about spiritual death. What he said was sin kills your relationship with God. Here's how. God is light. But sin puts us in the dark. God is life, but sin puts you to death. Physical death separates your soul from your body. Spiritual death separates your soul from God. But what this word really refers to is eternal death. Now listen carefully. We're separated from God by our sin. So here's what happens. If we die in our sin, we will be eternally separated from God. Now here's the good news. Listen now. Listen carefully. Spiritual death can be reversed by a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. When you give your life to Jesus, you move from death to life. 
So spiritual death can be reversed by a relationship with God. Physical death can be reversed by the resurrection of those of us who believe in God when we receive a new body that will never die. So there's a remedy for spiritual death, a relationship with God. There's a remedy for physical death. One of these days, if I live long enough to die, which I may very well if Jesus doesn't come back first, one of these days my body's going to turn to ashes just like yours, but God has promised me he's going to raise my body from the dead. There's a remedy for physical death. There is a remedy for spiritual death, but listen, there is no remedy for eternal death. If you die without God, you will live eternally without God, which is called spiritual death. You know, I was thinking the other day about, about uh, I, I picked up, a, you probably have seen these things in Cracker Barrel, some of these other things. You ever seen these little books that tell you about what was true the year you were born? You ever seen those, those little books? I hate to even tell you this, it tells you how old I am. When I was born, the price of gasoline was 15 cents a gallon. You say, good grief, you're 230 years old. Not quite, but I'm getting there, okay? The price of gasoline was 15 cents a gallon. How everything has changed. Inflation, deflation, wage and price escalation, the cost of living, they have all changed. But you know what? There's one price that's remained constant from the beginning of time, and it will never, ever change. I mean, from the beginning of time until the end of time. There's one price that's never changed. That is the price of sin. God says the wages of sin is death. And no matter how religious you are or how righteous you try to be, if you try to earn your way to God and work your way to God and try to be good enough for God, the only paycheck you're going to get at the end of your life is death. We deserve death. But God desires we deserve death, but God desires life. All right, somebody tell me, what is the only remedy for darkness? Light. What is the only remedy for death? Life. All right, listen to what the verse says. All right, ready? Say that word with me. But changes everything. The wages of sin is death. You do the time, you're going to pay the time. Yes. Evil deeds need to be punished. Yes. Bad people ought to get what they deserve. Yes. But the gift of God is eternal life. If sin brings eternal death, the only solution can, must be eternal life. Now, watch this. How do you get eternal life? Because this is what God does now. This is where people get off the track. They get off the rail. See, here's what God does. He throws a big curveball to the way we think things ought to be and the way we feel things ought to be. Let me tell you what I mean. Go to the average person anywhere in the world. Doesn't matter. You can go to here, Southern California. You can go to, you know, Columbia. You can go to Paris. You can go to London. Go anywhere you want to go. And here's what you'll find. Most people believe, if they believe in heaven and hell, they believe one simple thing. Good people go to heaven. Bad people go to hell, right? Sounds pretty simple. You know, if you're bad, you deserve hell. If you're good, you deserve heaven. But we've already seen that the only difference between good people and bad people is some people are good sinners and some people are bad sinners. But at the end of the day, the wages of all sin is death. So we've already seen if you're a good sinner, you're going to die. If you're a bad sinner, you're going to die. It's the same for everybody. But this is the way most people, if most people were writing this verse, this is the way they would write it. The wages of sin is death. 
but the wages of goodness is eternal life. That should say the wages of sin, by the way, guys. Correct that for the next hour. The wages of sin is death, but the wages of goodness is eternal life. That's the way most people think. Yeah, you get what you deserve, you get what you earn. If you're a bad person, you earn death. But if you're a good person, you earn life. That's the way most people think. The problem is, there's a big difference between eternal death and eternal life, and here's the difference. You ready? We all deserve death. Why do we all deserve death? We've earned it. How we earned it? Because we are all sinners. But none of us deserve eternal life. Because no matter how good we are, we can never be good enough to earn it. Now, here's what's the amazing. This is what just is mind-blowing to me. Always will be. Death is a wage we deserve because we earn it. But eternal life is a gift we don't deserve, but God wants to give it to us anyway. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share with you in one sentence the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. It is the greatest news I've ever heard in my life, and it radically changed my life when I finally got it, when I finally, when the light finally came on, not just in my head, but in my, in my heart, and it completely changed my life. Listen to this. We don't have to receive what we deserve if we will accept what we don't deserve. Can I get an amen to that? If we don't have to receive what we deserve, if we will accept what we don't deserve. See, it's one thing to earn a salary. That's one thing. It's another thing to receive a gift. Sin pays wages. The wages that sin pays is death, which is exactly what we deserve. But eternal life is a gift that we do not deserve that God offers freely. Now, let me stop right there because I want to go back and take this verse apart. Do you understand what the Bible means by eternal life? Because here's what most people think. Well, yeah, I know what that means. That just means we're going to live forever. That's not what the eternal life means. Because if, if all eternal life meant was just simply living forever, you know what we could do? God could just, when he saved me, say, okay, James, you're just going to live forever on this earth the way things are right now. That's not eternal life. There's far more to eternal life than just living forever. Nobody defined it better than Jesus when he said this. Listen to what he said eternal life is. He said, now this is eternal life, not living forever. Watch this. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Let me tell you what eternal life is. You ready? Eternal life is knowing God. Eternal life is being fully connected to the God of the universe. Eternal life is loving God. Having God in you and you being in God. Eternal life is worshiping God and obeying God and loving God and serving God and glorifying God. And oh, by the way, eternal life is what you get right now. The verse does not say that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God will be eternal life. That's not what Paul wrote. He said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Here's the good news. You don't have to die to get eternal life. When you give your life to Jesus, he gives you eternal life then. I've got eternal life right now. You know, I, I've often thought about if, if I was ever captured by a terrorist and I had to die for my faith, you know, what would I say? I can tell you one thing I would ask God to give me the courage to say. I'd say to this terrorist, you can't kill me. Oh, you can kill my body, but you can't kill me because I have eternal life life. And it doesn't just mean I'm going to live forever. It means you're going to live forever with God. His home's going to be your home. His family's going to be your family. 
This father is now going to be your father. There's only one remedy for sin. Listen to me. There's only one remedy for sin. It's not going to church. It's not getting religion. It's not getting baptized. It's not trying to do works. It's not trying to get better. There's only one remedy for sin, and that remedy is God. And there's only one remedy for death, and that remedy is life. When I was in college, believe it or not, I took a class in theater. I don't, to this day, I don't know why I took a class in theater, because that's one thing I was never going to do. But I just you know, decided I'd take a class in theater, and it really was very interesting. And, and so we, we, we learned about the origins of theater and plays and dramas, and it really was kind of an interesting course. But let me tell you something I learned. I learned a Latin phrase. Some of you familiar with theater, you, you'll recognize this. Many of you may not. But it's a Latin phrase, and you pronounce it deus ex machina. That's how you pronounce it, all right? Don't say deus ex machina. That makes you sound like you're from the deep south. It's deus ex machina, okay? Now, very interesting term. In classical drama, it referred to the introduction of God into the action of a play to resolve a problem. So Euripides had a rule for using God in any play or any drama. Euripides said this. He said, you never should introduce God into any play or drama as a deus ex machina unless the characters have gotten themselves into such a problem that only God could solve it. In other words, he said, don't you ever put God in a play. Don't you ever put God in a drama. Don't you ever put God in a script unless the characters are in such a predicament that only God can get them out of it. Now listen to me. Sin and death are the ultimate deus ex machina. The only way not to get what you do deserve and to get what you don't deserve is to accept the free gift of eternal life. And God has offered the entire world that gift. Yes, we deserve death. But God desires life. But that raises a question. How do you get it? How do you get there? How do you go from getting what you do deserve to getting what you don't deserve when you don't deserve it? Because if you don't deserve it, we've already established, you can't work for it, you can't buy it, you can't pay for it. No matter how good you'll be, you'll never be able to earn it or deserve it. No matter how religious you are, that won't work. So the question is, how do I get from death to life? How does this gift even come about? Now watch this. This is the best part of all. I love this part. Yes, we deserve death. But God desires life. And when you put those two things together, and watch this. Jesus delivers life through death. It's an amazing thing. We'd have never thought of this. Jesus delivers life through death. The wages of sin is death, yes. But the gift of God is eternal life. However, Paul adds five words. And you know, some people would read that and they would think, well, why didn't Paul just stop right there? Hey, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He adds five words. And, and some of you may think, well, I don't know why he even added those words, but here's why. Because if you don't add these five words, there is no eternal life. You're going to hear the five words, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
I know some of you are still there. So I, I don't get it. I don't even know why he had to add that. Okay, I get it. I understand what you're saying to me. If I try to work my way to God and work my way to heaven and work my way to, to, to eternal life, I'm just going to die. I'm just going to get dead. But if I'll accept this gift of eternal life, then I'll have eternal life with God. Why do you have to add those five words? Why are they so important? Here's why. Eternal life is a gift. True. But there's one thing that's true, not just about the gift of eternal life. There's one thing that's true about every single gift that's ever been given to anyone. You know what that truth is? No gift is absolutely free. No gift. Think about it. Think about every gift you have ever been given. Let me tell you what was true about that gift. Every time you've ever received a gift, that gift was free to you, but it wasn't free to somebody. Somebody had to pay for that gift. It doesn't cost anything for you to receive the gift, but it costs something to someone to give that gift. Somebody paid for that gift. And eternal life is a free gift. It is. It doesn't cost me anything. You know why it's a free gift? Because Jesus paid for it. Jesus bought it. Jesus purchased it. And see, here's the kicker. Do you know how he bought spiritual life, which gives you eternal life to remedy your eternal death? Do you know how he did that? He bought your spiritual life through his physical death. Isn't that amazing? He bought your spiritual life through his physical death. When he was on the cross, he suffered the spiritual death of our sin so that you and I would have, that you and I would have suffered for all eternity had he not suffered for us. See, this is another thing. Even a lot of church people don't understand this. If you were to ask the average church person, hey, can you tell me how Jesus died? Here's what the average church person would say. Well, yeah, I know. The, the, the Roman soldiers crucified him. Well, that's half true. Yeah, he was crucified. But the Roman soldiers did not kill Jesus. So how do you know that? Because Jesus himself said, nobody can take my life from me. I lay my life down on myself. I'm invincible. Nobody can touch me. Nobody. I'm the son of God. Nobody can take my life down. You say, well, gosh, if the Roman soldiers didn't kill Jesus, what killed Jesus? Well, let me give you a little quick review. What kills us? Sin. The same thing that killed us killed Jesus. Except it wasn't his sin that killed him. It was our sin that killed him. My life was totally changed in a movie theater 30 miles from here when I was nine years old. When the truth hit me like a ton of bricks, it was my sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. That thought totally changed my life. It wasn't the nails. It wasn't the cross. It wasn't bleeding to death. That's not what killed Jesus. It was my sin. And the same thing that kills us killed Jesus. Not his sin, but our sin. He died for our sins like we will if we don't take Jesus. See, here's how it works. When we die, I don't care what kind of life you lived. I don't care how good a dad, good a mother, good a husband, good a wife, good a son, good a daughter, good a brother, good a sister. I don't care how good a worker you were. I don't care how good a citizen you were. doesn't matter. When you die, you get what you deserve. We all do. Because sin kills everybody and we are all sinners. Here's the kicker. When Jesus died, 
he got what he didn't deserve. And he took what he didn't deserve, physical death and separation from God, so that you and I could receive what we don't deserve, eternal life, and never be separated from God. We deserve death. God desires life. And Jesus delivers life through death. So here's the bottom line. Yes, we deserve death, but God deserves life. He desires life. Yes, we can refuse Jesus and we can die. We can die physically. We can die spiritually. And we can die eternally. But we can receive Jesus and live spiritually and live physically and live eternally. Yes, we can get what we deserve, but we can accept what we don't deserve so we don't have to get what we do deserve. So I want you to imagine this. Wrap this up. I want you to imagine you're at home tomorrow, tomorrow morning and the doorbell rings or tomorrow afternoon doorbell rings and there's uh, someone and says, this, this package is for you. Oh, well, thank you. And so you take the package, and you notice there's a letter attached to the package. And so you open up the letter, and here's what the letter says. Dear blank, I love you so much I sent my only son to die for you. If you will believe in him, trust him, and receive him, inside you will find eternal life. Love Now you only have one other question you have to answer. You know what that question is, right? What are you going to do with that gift? You can do three things with it. As Elvis would sing, return to sender. I mean, you can return it, right? I thought that was a pretty good, I've worked on that for a while. You can return it. You can ditch it. I don't want it, I'll just throw it in the garbage. Or you can open it and you can receive it. It is one thing, it is one thing to turn down a gift from another person. It is a totally different thing to turn down a gift from God. So the choice is up to you. If you refuse the gift, you get what you deserve. If you accept the gift, you get what you don't deserve. That's why I titled my message, Make It or Take It. You can try to make it on your own, but if you do, all you'll earn is death. Or you can take God's gift and receive eternal life. The reason why we have Harvest Crusades and the reason why every week I preach the gospel and the reason why we ought to have a passion for people without God is real simple. This world is full of people trying to make it and all they're going to make is death. And when it comes to knowing God and loving God and serving God and having a relationship with God, it's not what you make, it's what you take that counts. Yes. The wages of sin is death, and we're all sinners, and we all deserve death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Which choice will you make? Let's pray together.